Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens would mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. So the, uh, Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Good afternoon, gentle listeners, and welcome to Yeah Na Pasaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith, and this week we are joined by a returning guest, Tom Tanaki. We last spoke to back in September about Aussie QAnon, and before that, back in May 2020, about anti-lockdown protests. Tom is a content creator. He is on that grind. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This is the, this is, yeah, this is the third time I'm on here. What a regular guest I am. The three-peat. The three-peat, yeah. I'm basically creative director of the show at this point. Well, Tom, I thought I'd grab you on. Because there was a little bit of a lockdown protest on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, there certainly was. They don't stop, do they? They don't stop. And I speak to you as someone that, you know, I know that you've been uh, watching them since the beginning. So we've been been there since. Remember the good old days of smashing TVs? Those were good times. Looking back, if only it had stayed like that. We were young and restless. Somebody asked me this week, you know, how do you watch all of this stuff and, like, not go crazy. And yeah. my real answer is I, I stopped <laughs> watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Can I say? I have not. Yeah, I, for one, I think I think you've been more diligent in looking at things than I uh, at certainly at many times, like throughout last year you were. But also you must, you know, everyone needs time away from this don't they there just becomes points because if you turn away from the anti-lockdown movement for a day i feel you know like a a week or what have you suddenly there are 20 new figureheads there's just this constant proliferation of people who are constantly you know filming always via portrait and always threatening to you know uh, lock up or shoot all of the politicians or, you know, um, start their own government <laughs> or something. And that's constantly happening. And I don't know who they are. And that's always, and that happens to me. And I think I've, certainly this year, I think I've been fairly consistent. But then suddenly I'll go, oh, who's this person? And then I look online and they've got like a million followers. And I'm like, where did you come from? So it's very confusing. And it does, it take, takes a lot of time. But you taught me something, which is, you taught me how to download the little app for Facebook that lets you play videos back at double speed. So I have you to thank for that. There you go. It's a public service. So why am I able to look out for my part? Well, because of the things that you teach me. So I knew this protest on the weekend was coming. I had, even though I'd dropped the ball a little bit, I'd I'd seen little snippets. I'd seen people were planning on doing a blockade of Balti Bridge and all of this craziness, which I don't think ended up happening. 
No. But uh, I was still a little bit taken aback by how many people were there. What's going on? I was taken aback particularly. I think I spent most of my time for some pretty obvious reasons, the size and the danger of super spreading. I looked, spent most of my time looking at Sydney. But, yeah, I didn't know or think that it would be as large as it was. Um, we had many thousands in Brisbane and Melbourne, uh, and, and Sydney seemed to have the largest one. I don't know. We still have this problem where the protests, and we have this with all rallies, where the protesters say we got forty or 50,000 people and then, you know, you get media who'll say anything as low as 150. Now, it's clearly not 150 people. You just look at the footage. But is it was it many thousands? Did it go into the tens of thousands? I don't know. But it was very, very large and I was taken aback by, by the size of, of, of it, particularly in Sydney. Although, you know, Brisbane probably got its five maybe to 10,000, I think, from some of the more reasonable estimates I heard. And I think Melbourne got a few thousand as well. So it's a lot of people and it's a lot bigger than they've been since probably, I don't know, sometime in 2020. They're, they're really big right now. And I guess that, that took us all by surprise, didn't it? I did also see a little bit of a... Misinformation from anti-vax wag Taylor Winterstein, is that her name? Oh, yes, yeah. Who, who what did po- Taylor say? She posted, like, a picture of, a, like, the BLM rally. And it was like, they're saying, yeah, right. they're saying there's only a thousand people. She said, yeah, she posted that and she was showing off about the numbers of another rally. <laughs> Cheeky. But, you know, I don't know why that needed to happen because if you took photos of the actual thing, they were big enough as it was. Yeah. It's a very, very big rally. I mean, there was a um, there was a photo that I think went a bit viral and it was shared by, um, uh, what's he called, Morgan Jonas, you know, the, 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 the uh, figurehead from, from Melbourne who's been instrumental in a lot of anti-China stuff and now anti-lockdown stuff as well. And it looked like an enormous rally. It's the kind of, you know, it was the kind of photo of blocks and blocks worth of people going up, you know, Burke Street in the city. The kind of photo I'm only used to seeing at, say, union rallies or maybe Invasion Day, you know, that kind of thing. So so that was huge there. But I, it was definitely the largest in in, in Sydney. And, they even had a fire breather. They had a fire breather in Sydney. Yeah. Like called James, we don't need to. I, you know, I kept, I spent the morning saying to people, so, you know, I had someone, I think it was News Corp and someone else would reach out and they were like, do you know his name? And I said, yes, I do, but I think that we should, um, maybe, you know, he just seems to be a slightly oddball drifter. And I think that movements like that capture lots of oddball drifters. I don't think that he's like a, you know, an organiser or anything. He just wanted to come along and totally his fire. But then, of course, I needn't have bothered because by midday, Daily Mail had already come out and, you know, aired his, his full life story out for absolutely no reason. Because we love to we love to focus on the, the figureheads, don't we? You know, I think the media love to do it as much as the, the members of the anti-lockdown movement love to, uh, you know, hyperfixate and form these, I guess, parasocial relationships with the martyr-type figures who record all the videos and whip people up to go to the rallies, you know? Do you think that fire breathing might be the secret to the success of the rally? Is this what we need for, you know, the refugee and climate movements to just have people out there dangerously throwing fire around? Oh, I'm not. I've never seen anything that exciting in in left rallies. No, you know. I mean, I I did expect. I want. I want fire 
I want fire toilers. Yes, I do. I want them out there. They shut them down. I mean, they, you know, they come out and they'll fire extinguish smoking ceremonies at Indigenous Rights Rally, so I wasn't surprised that they came and extinguished the fire toiler, man. But I do want that energy. I don't necessarily want the punching of horses energy, but it does all, when you look at the smashing in the face of horses and fire twirling and that kind of thing. It does add up to a very circus-like sort of vibe, don't you think? And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, we like the circus. I guess something I saw a few, like, organisers of left things saying is, you know, obviously we don't approve of, you know, organising a super spreader event, but how did you get these numbers? Yeah, absolutely, because you want that energy. Uh, you know, you just, I mean, when I say that energy, you want lots of people to come out uh, over important issues and generally uh, not be very obedient of the authorities and give the middle finger to authority in order to make a point. The, and so I look at that sort of thing and I go, oh, that's really cool. It just so happens that, you know, you're doing it in a time where you might all give each other a virus that, you know, is real. And we come down to this problem here where, of course, you, you would you would stay at home and you would suggest that people stay at home if you believe that the novel coronavirus is real. But if you don't believe that it's real, then you would go out. And so we can get into we can get into the the very real material conditions that that I think influence more people to go out, particularly in Sydney. We can get on and talk about all that, I'm sure we will. But at the end of the day, we know that the conspiracy theorist element is fundamentally important here because they're going out because they don't think they've got a virus to really worry about. This 99.7% thing, you know, that little meme going around about how it probably, you know, it won't hurt me. It's no more harmful than an average flu, that kind of thing. That's the that's the rub here, isn't it? That's mm. the difference. Um, but they were all out there on the street. I'd love to have their energy, but I'd love them to be talking about real and genuine stuff. Can you imagine all that energy if it were directed towards something real? You know, because what's it directed for now? It's it's people saying end the lockdown. Well, unfortunately, we arrive at a bit of an impasse here because I don't think that we can end the lockdown because the lockdowns are happening over a fairly fairly real virus. <laughs> I don't think I'm saying anything controversial here, Cam. Do you agree? No, no, I think the virus is real. You're right. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing with me. But um, we, you know, we also cannot ignore that regardless on whether or not half of the people on live streams, and I looked at hours of them, and I'm sure you looked at a bit yourself, whether or not they're all sitting there and saying, you know, the new world order are coming and the virus is a bioweapon but it's also not real, you know, whether or not they're saying all these crazy things, you know, all these these amazing varied things, we know that 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 the circumstances that propel people into more anxiety, which is always good for conspiracist movements, is um, the material conditions that people face. So there's, uh, to me, there's little point of like hyper fixating over who's going to the rallies. And, you know, I've seen lots of people like lefties on Twitter going, we need to find their details and expose them. Well, I think probably not really. I think probably we need to maybe sort out conditions for people so that they're a bit more taken care of by the government during the pandemic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, we've got this situation where we have, you know, a potential super spreader event. You know, we'll see how lucky we are in terms of outdoors transmission. Yeah. But I think at some point, 
you want these people to go and get tested, right? So I don't know if uh, yeah. just losing your marbles over this happening is going to help that happen at all. And, yeah, I, I did see a few people saying, look, these are largely middle-class people probably. Yeah, we don't need to be coming out with hillbilly elegy sort of mm. narratives around why they're there. But I think the yeah. fact is if people were being paid enough to stay at home, one, you'd probably cut down on transmission of the novel coronavirus a fair bit. But two, yeah. someone might believe in a conspiracy theory and will stay home and th- believe in a conspiracy theory in their home if they're getting paid enough to do so. Yeah, my, my, yeah, my, my opinion is definitely that right now in the situation that Sydney faces, just right now at this moment, I'm not very interested in what the average Joe who went out to that protest thinks about whether the virus is a hoax and what have you. If we could just get them to stay at home with their opinions and maybe argue online with people about it, you know. But he, here's the thing, you know, I, I, I mean, yeah, definitely everyone at that rally. I mean, yeah, there's all this, this big debate, isn't there? There's people who are going, oh, they're all middle class racists, <laughs> they're all broke, Middle Eastern and Lebanese people from Western Sydney and what have you. The truth is it's a very mixed bag. It's absolutely, I, you know, I rarely see any rallies are more diverse and multicultural than, than a large anti-lockdown rally. That's the truth of it, you know. So there's lots of different people there with lots of different reasons. But I do really believe that what people share in common is that you've got a lot of people who ah they turn on the news and they watch outlets like sky news for example uh you know just present this slightly surreal you know semi-anti-lockdown you know pro-freedom take that panders to these sort of conspiracist networks online in order to keep them watching whilst sort of erring on the side of caution but then they go people go onto their phones and you know of course we have these curated feeds throughout all of their preferred social media apps where we only get to hear the opinions from everyone that we agree with and we block or we filter out or everything else or the app does it for us so then we only read other people we only see someone like sydney figurehead romeo georges who just I mean, the guy makes things up uh, for a living now, really. You know, this is what he does for 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 huge amounts of views and attention. But, you know, he's one of the people that uh, inspired a lot of Western Sydney people to go along to that rally. But they go on their phone and they watch that. And between all of that, they're just not hearing any constructive information about coronavirus. They're only hearing hoax sort of, you know, or pro-hoax stuff. So they're not getting any legitimate information. And it's going to take some time to reach them. But hopefully if we could just keep them all at home, <laughs> you know, or leave them not, say, for example, uh, broke because they don't have, you know, something that's just like cover all, uh, you know, or much easier to apply for, like JobKeeper, rather than these current benefits they can get. Or people being kicked out, you know, because they say that they've got this rental moratorium reintroduced in New South Wales. But my understanding is that people are being kicked out anyway. You know, I'm reading stories like that online because you have to prove that your income has dropped 25%. But if you're one of the people in Western Sydney working cash in hand for construction, which remember that they cancelled cash, they cancelled the construction work, didn't they, in Sydney? So, you know, if you're one of the people doing that, then how do you pretend that your income's dropped? 
And wouldn't it be easier to just listen to these people telling you the whole thing's a hoax and go out? And I'm not trying to be condescending about the people there and sort of infantilise them. I understand that they believe that they're being freedom warriors and that they're hitting back against this, uh, you know, this communist dictatorship and what have you. But these are, regardless of what they think they're doing, they are actually in a pandemic and these are the material circumstances that are probably egging them on to go out more. So we should do something about them instead of obsessing over, you know, um, finding out the personal details of every single person that attended. <laughs> I thought it was striking on the weekend. On the one hand, you, you had the, the Freedom Warriors going out and doing this thing. But then on the other hand, I don't know if you saw Therese Rain, Kevin Rudd's wife, tweeting about AstraZeneca and uh, asking the question, you know, who in the coalition profits from the AstraZeneca vaccine? And I was like, how is that not promoting vaccine hesitancy just as much as Sky News? It is, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. But it's very hard, you know, it's very hard to have conversations about a, you know, still still rolling out process, you know, and there's obviously people, things come to light, you know, people planning pregnancy and what have you have only just recently found out that they can have the Pfizer because naturally, of course, you know, we, 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 we find out things as time goes by. That's the nature of a, a pandemic, of a emergency vaccines that got developed to the tune, you know, for, with, with lots of money and what have you. We just find out uh, for better or worse, usually for better as we, as, as we, as we go along. But it's very hard for us to talk about the negatives and what have you without us being seen to sort of, without anyone being seen to be eroding confidence in vaccines, you know. It's just hard to have a, a sensible, straightforward discussion, particularly when you, you can turn, turn on the telly and you see that thousands of people are out there. You end up tiptoeing around, don't you, going, oh, I don't want to spook them any further. Meanwhile, they're screaming about pedophile suppression orders and the new world order. <laughs> There's some very fundamentally, you know, discordant, disparate conversations having here. Um, very tough to get us all back on the same page. So you've mentioned the figureheads a few times. Uh, who, are, who are we looking at in terms of the people who are driving these protests? This is tough because, you know, I, actually what I was going to say is tough is that there's, there's a – there's a, you know, like I saw, I saw a, a, an article come out yesterday in The Age and it had an interview with, you know, uh, Dr. Kaz Ross, who I know you've had on uh, Yenar Pasaran before, who, you know, I've spoken to on, on, you know, in many respects and what have you on my podcast. And, you know, I'm, Dr. Ross was saying at the time that it's a, it's a leaderless movement, which I very much believe, particularly if you look in certain spaces like Telegram. But I also think to myself that the, the sculpting power that figureheads who constantly record portrait videos have in sort of shaping people's will and directing them, I think it's very, very important to to ensuring the future direction of that movement. And I do. I, I think if you had all of those people, if they all stopped doing those kinds of videos, I think the movement dissolves very, very quickly. And this is what you see it actually happen, you see, because you see that the figureheads, and this happened in 2020, you had this fresh-faced batch of figureheads crop up, Fanos Panagides and, you know, from family, the Channel 7's family food fight, people like that. And, but what the police do is that they start 
naturally, you know, charging them with lots of things because of all these protest movements. And they get bogged down and very cynical and caught up in fights with each other about the decisions they make. And then you can see that the movement has a lull. And I've started to wonder of late if those things are related, if the, 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 the burdensome nature of continuing to be involved in this movement, getting charged and what have you, reduces the energy of the figureheads, you know, of the wave of figureheads and that, you know, because people are looking for direction from them, you know, in these kinds of movements. So I don't know how leaderless they are, you know. I think that the spaces where people share all of their conspiracy stuff are real melting pots, you know, telegram groups, Facebook groups, whatever. They're real melting pots without any leaders. But people are looking for certain people who hold up videos, hold up their phone and scream into it about, conspiracy stuff and at one of them i mentioned him before his name is uh, you know he's not the leader there was no the leader of this protest one of them's a guy called romeo georges um he's had his peaks and troughs he first came to everyone's attention uh screaming into his phone he's got a real <laughs> he's a real purveyor of uh portrait lens uh social media video drama like he, he he first came really popular when he was screaming about how the lefties or the greenies started the bushfires back um you know when the the, the big bushfires happened and ever since then he's been getting a real sugar rush and having a real deep desire to satisfy his inner frustrated drama student you know he's been having that satisfied by recording these very popular videos of, of talking about conspiracy stuff. And he rallied around the anti-lockdown movement and he's really, really entertaining. Like I prefer watching Romeo and George's movies, uh, uh, videos, sorry, movies is a bit overboard. <laughs> I prefer watching Romeo and George's productions more than I do Alex Jones films. He's amazing. You know, he's, you know, I'm probably going to do a tribute compilation of Romeo and George. For anyone who watches my YouTube channel, keep an eye out for that in the near future. So anyway, so there's definitely him. At, and I think particularly, you know, we're talking about a lot of people in the, the very impacted Western Sydney area that's considered a hot spot there. And I think he has a lot of traction with there, those people. There's a lot of Middle Eastern people there, a lot of people from various Euro- European. There was a lot of Lebanese people, for example, Um uh, I got the impression from the protesters that he has a lot of traction with some of those groups of people. He does, you know, he's just popular among certain communities. And you could see that he was treated like a folk hero on the day. And um, I guess also there's a young bloke called Joel Jamal, who is like a rising star Christian conservative and he he definitely took a leadership role on the day he was one of the people encouraging people to go to the uh, to the area that they did in the CBD he and Romeo Georges were the people that got them to go back out of the CBD into a park you know because the police were basically saying to them we're going to get very violent with these people presumably unless you can get them out of the city you know um, so so Joel Jamal who's a who's a rising very ambitious young figure among the Christian right I think he's only 23 these people creep me out to be honest um, he's very uh, yeah he's very ambitious young he appears to have fringe far-right political ambitions you know he's always suited and they were some of the figures but of course you've also got you know people among the other state to live stream all the events uh, morgan jonas down in victoria and the usual suspects like rv Yemeni and what have you and these are the people around whom you know these are the the lights around which the 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 moths of the anti-lockdown movement gather for direction now 
if they just turn their phones around 90 degrees, how much would that please you? I would stop doing it, it, I'd stop doing videos about the anti-lockdown movement and I'd move on to something else, you know? I know I talk a lot about the portrait video thing. It does annoy me. I wonder what this strange disease is that causes everyone to record daily videos screaming into their phones, always on portrait, um, to the degree that that makes me angry more than the anti-lockdown movement now, Cam. So, yeah, I think if they could just sort that out, then I'd probably just close down my social media pages and consider my work done. Well, there you have it. It's a simple offer. I'd suggest that people take it. <laughs> uh, Tom, if people want to find your stuff online, where can they do so? Yeah, well, I, so I have a um, I have a YouTube channel that I'm sort of really focusing on at the moment. I'm putting a lot more of my content out in video form. Um, and so go on to there, Tom Tanneke, T-A-N-U-K-I. And if you look at my last video uh, as a as of, you know, this week anyway, as of the, uh, it came out on the 25th of July, it's about the event in Sydney. And, you know, I make a couple of material demands that I think we should all be demanding about JobKeeper and JobSeeker. And, you know, I'd love it if people could get behind those. I really do believe that we should stop uh, focusing on what all the little placards and the QAnon signs and stuff mean and just get under the business of trying to, you know, uh, motivate people or at least feed people. I don't remember motivation, just food at home. So I'd love it if people could look at that. Um, I'm also on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, but I've been permanently shadow banned for talking about fascists and stuff. I think Facebook thinks that's the same as actual fascism because it's a, all just, you know, run by a computer. And, um, yeah, so find me on all the platforms and um, I have been talking now about the anti-lockdown movement for a very long time and I don't intend to stop. Well, thanks for joining us, Tom. Thanks so much for having me, Cam. Well, folks, that's all we've got time for. Global Intifada is up next. We will catch you next week. See you later.
Female identifying artists aged 18 to 35 are invited to enter the Ellen Jose Art Award, a $15,000 non-acquisitive award. Ellen Jose was a pioneer in Australia's urban Indigenous art movement and a radical activist and social justice campaigner. The award is given in the hope that it will support the winning artist's continued development by providing recognition as well as a financial boost. All six finalists will receive an artist fee and have the opportunity for their work to be professionally presented in an exhibition with an accompanying publication. The award is a partnership between the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation and Bayside City Council. Entries are now open and close on Friday the 27th of August. Head to bayside.vic.gov.au and search for the Ellen Jose Art Award for all the details. A 3CR supporter. Love comes your way. What can I say? You feel the 